Cool, Chaz, how you doing? I'm doing great, Scotty. How yep, are you? Good, all done with your law degree? Is that, no, we're done with your year of law done degree. Done with my year, a lot of years to go. A lot of years um, to go. Yeah, and appreciating the sound of protest in the background, of course, Scotty. Yeah, so we've got a bunch of people standing for Tangata Whenua across the road at Parliament. But what we're here to talk about today, I want to start by sharing an experience I had the other week. I lead a little church, which is a replant of an Anglican church in a suburb called Brooklyn in Wellington. And recently we set out to restart our community festival in the neighbourhood, um, part of our commitment as a church is that if the church is doing its job the neighborhood should really miss it when it goes and unfortunately a lot of churches are closing around Aotearoa at the moment and people don't necessarily care so we've Mm. set out to be people who make a difference to our community whether people profess to have a faith or not and so part of that was restarting our community festival which shut down a few years ago and it turned out to be the most amazing day we had over 5,000 people turn up to it we had Anika Moa there Um, we had all these stalls all this food it was such a cool moment of our faith community just showing the community how much we love the place and want it to be a special place to live And so there's this amazing stuff going on. And with that, we had uh, some other local people of faith get involved. We had someone who said they'd love to help out, but they wanted to help out in a kind of a very niche way. And so they said, what I'd like to do is I'd like to come down and I would like to put cheese on crackers for volunteers. (laughs) And we're like, all right. I mean, if you want to put cheese on crackers for volunteers, that's that's fine. Anyway, what kind of happened is they came down and they they put cheese on crackers, but it just happened to be this particular point of the day where none of the volunteers really wanted the cheese on crackers. And so this person felt a little bit gutted that no one wanted their cheese on crackers and sort of left in a little bit of a huff that uh, the, their kind of, you know, their contribution had not received the fanfare that they hoped it would. Yeah. It got me thinking as I looked at the various things I've been involved in over the years, at the different postures that Christians sometimes come into these community spaces in. And I thought, man, there was this amazing thing unfolding before our eyes where our little church of 35 had been part of gathering over 5,000 people together of celebrating our neighborhood. And for this individual, they couldn't see the 5,000 people who are gathered together. They couldn't see all the young people getting on stage for the first time. They couldn't see all the kids doing kapahaka. They, they didn't see any of that. All they saw was that their little cheese and crackers had not been received the way they wanted it to. And it made me realize that we have such a discipleship problem, don't we, in our mm. churches, where sometimes we're not actually able to see the bigger thing that is going on. And I sat with that for a few days and 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 just kept wondering what is that thing in some of our people that when God is doing a big thing, when we are part of something so much larger than ourselves, end up in this very tiny little idea of the kingdom of God. Mm. And so I started to think about it and go, okay, well, what is it that I so deeply believe that makes me think 5,000 people from the local neighborhood getting together is a beautiful thing for the kingdom. Because I don't think that's obvious to everyone. I think people like you and I, we understand that God is at work in that, but it's not obvious to everyone. So I've been trying to think, what are the kind of, what's the theology that underpins why we think something like that is special and why we're more excited that 5,000 people got together for a community festival 
than we are with how many people come the next day to our Sunday morning service. Mm. And so there's three key things I was thinking about around this. And I think the first of them comes down to how do we understand the king that we are following? Who is the king that we think we are following? You know, there's this interesting arc that rolls throughout the scriptures. And particularly if you look in the the book of Isaiah, there is this longing for Messiah to come, this longing for the violent revolutionary Messiah to come and throw off the yoke of oppression. And and sometimes in Isaiah, this is referred to as like the arm of the Lord, that um, the arm of the Lord will accomplish these things. And the arm of the Lord earlier in Isaiah is always like quite violent, you know, Mm. so Isaiah 30, 32, it says, Every stroke the Lord lays on them with his punishing club will be to the music of timbrels and harps as he fights them in battle with the blows of his arm. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> God will be beating people to a soundtrack. <laughs> like yep. it's, it's full on. Um, and there's lots of things like this. Isaiah forty ten, The sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. So it's just like beatings on beatings on beatings. Mm. And so it goes on and on and on like this. But then it kind of arrives in Isaiah 52 and finally the Messiah is revealed and instead it says something different. It says, the Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all nations and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. Then it goes on to say, Many were appalled at him. His appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness and his blood will sprinkle many nations. Mm -hmm. So there's this idea of this punishing arm of God coming, this dominating force that is coming. And instead, when he arrives, it is actually his arm that is bared. It is him who is stripped. It is him who is broken. So when the arm of the Lord is revealed, it's laid bare on a cross and it's a different kind of king. And you can see that if we get the wrong king, that if we think that the king we serve is one who comes to dominate, then we'd probably have a problem with just serving rather than being noticed, eh? (laughs) You know, Jesus said he didn't come just to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So most kings win with force, but our king wins with surrender and service. And so if you think you're following a servant king, you will show up and serve without the glamour and you won't care so much about your cheese and crackers. Mm. But if you think you're following a tyrant king, then you're going to set out believing that there's a culture war that you have to win or that you have to overpower. You're going to see others who don't believe the same things as you as opponents to overcome or as mm. as projects. And you're going to see your faith as a means to gain power rather than as a means to transform power. So firstly, I think it's really crucial we understand the kind of king we're following. And if we don't have the right king, we actually end up following someone named Jesus who isn't Jesus. Mm. So that's my first thought for us today, Jazz, and I'm sure you've seen this around. So I'm wondering what comes to mind as you think about these kind of two different kings. It's obviously made so clear in the Gospels, the nature of Jesus being a servant. When leaders are kind of turning up in expensive stuff or if <laughs> like the way that they're talking about Jesus is such that we miss his humility and his servant-heartedness, then yeah, there's just such a misplaced faith. Yeah, and I think about this with some of like what we're seeing with church planting at the moment because mm. there's kind of very different schools around 
church planting out there. One of them, I think, is um, that church planting is a branding exercise, you know, Mm. so it's sort of like we arrive with 40 to 50 people ready to go. We spend a year getting the worship team ready, really slick logos for everything, you know. Mm. All our all our volunteer teams are working, and it's kind of this thing that when we turn up, you will know we've turned up. Mm. Um, but just, just thinking in terms of what would it look like for church planting to look like this kind of servant king where we actually roll into neighborhoods rather than showing the power of our arm and what we can achieve actually bearing our arm to the community Mm. and actually sacrificing and serving is such a different posture have you seen positive examples of this around you yeah totally i mean my current church in newtown doesn't actually have a church building that we fit in so we're currently using a local school hall that's kind of falling apart a little bit and i think that in itself is a bit of a picture of just like there is no glamour in that physical church building another thing that i love that my church does is doing a breakfast before the service serving the neighborhood Mm. and the neighbors who turn up even if they're not going to stay for the church service isn't that interesting, eh? I don't know if I'd ever thought about that, that we actually, you know, call our gatherings a church service. Yeah, I realise as I kept saying service, it was hard to distinguish between <laughs> No, but saying. like, actually, eh, like how would it look for our gatherings to coming together to be less about seeing how many people we've got mm-hmm. and more about how do we serve these people and equip people to serve their local community? That would be a good mission statement and probably one that's not chosen by many western churches i'd say is we come not to be served but to serve and Mm. to give our lives as a ransom for many you know Mm. we come to lay our lives down for this neighborhood we come not to get something out of this but we come to give all that we are and all that we have and so we're going to continue this conversation over the next couple of weeks we're looking at making sure as we've said today that we have the right king secondly that we have the right kingdom and thirdly that we have the right vision of heaven this has been the Catch Podcast. You can find out more at www.catchnetwork.org.nz. See you next week.